You are listening to a sermon from Covenant Hope Church. Thank you for engaging with us. If you would like more information about our church family, please visit www.covenanthope.church. We pray that this sermon encourages and challenges you today. Well, good morning, Covenant Hope. I hope you have a Bible. Grab it and turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. Guest, my name is Cody. I'm one of the pastors here and have the opportunity to open up the scriptures for us regularly and love to do so. This morning, as Pastor Ryan said, it's a special uh, Sunday as we come to set apart uh, now our pastor, Paul, uh, to the work of the ministry. And uh, we're going to focus here our time in First Peter about shepherding God's people. If you uh, are a guest today, we're so thankful that you're here. It's a special day for us, as we've said. And you actually get to find out what we believe about the church, what we believe about the pastors, the leaders of the church, and how we are to live our lives together for the sake of the gospel and proclaim that all across Wake Forest and Youngsville and hopefully to the end of the world. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one of those black hardcover Bibles in the pew back in front of you and turn to page 1078 to follow along with us. You've probably heard the phrase, everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. I'm sure you could probably think of a time in which you were, uh, maybe you were the leader or maybe you were someone who was following uh, that lead. And you can think of times where sometimes that went really well. You can think of other times where that didn't go so well. One time I was coaching uh, fourth and fifth grade uh, boys in basketball. And don't, don't think it's too glamorous. It's more like herding cats uh, at that point. Uh, but we were uh, working throughout the season and to help them uh, kind of run uh, offense and actually cut to the basket and actually learn how to pass to one another. And I had, had a young player who, who was his first year playing and uh, he struggled uh, some, but was extremely smart, extremely willing to do whatever I asked him. And uh, as we were uh, in a game, uh, we, were, we were up uh, a good number of points. And so he came to me and said, Coach, I've got to play for you. I said, all right, but what, what do you got? And so he drew it, he drew it on, the, on the clipboard for me. And uh, he was so excited. I said, all right, do you want to tell the team and run that play? So we, br- we brought everybody over. He, he draws the play out and uh, perfectly uh, looks at it. He says, this is what we're doing. He points to his teammates, and they go out, and they execute perfectly and get a layup. And so I just said, that's, that's true leadership. He should have been coaching the whole year. I don't know what I've been doing the whole time. And uh, what you didn't know is he was the one that got the layup. He drew the play for himself to, to get the layup. Uh, phenomenal, right? Everything rises and falls on leadership. And it is absolutely true in the life of the church. The church needs leaders. Maybe you have come from a situation in the past where, the, where leadership struggled. Maybe you came from a church in the past that struggled to submit to that leadership. And as we look here in 1 Peter 5, what we see is a beautiful balance of both authority, but also humble submission to God's design for his church. Last week, our church unanimously voted to affirm Paul Gators as a pastor here at Covenant Hope Church. This is a wonderful day in the life of our churches. One, we have raised up a pastor within our church family, not having to go outside. There's nothing wrong for that, but able to do that from within is a beautiful thing. And now we get to you as our church have called him and recognized him. And we now get to celebrate that and set apart him for the work 
of pastoral ministry. And so 1 Peter 5 gives us a beautiful, beautiful picture. Number one, it's going to give us a charge to those who are in leadership, to Paul and to myself and Pastor Ryan, but also gives a charge to you as the church in multiple ways. And so this morning as we look here at 1 Peter 5, here's what we see. Peter encourages the church by exhorting the elders to shepherd well so that the members can humbly submit to their leadership. If you're a disciple today, if you followed uh, Christ, you've, you've, you've given your life to him, you're called into the life of the church. And you are called and you have a responsibility to be a member of a local church. And you have a responsibility to live life inside of that church family. And so what are we to do today? Pastors must shepherd with a godly desire so the church can follow their example through humility. Pastors must shepherd with a godly desire so that the church can follow in humility. Now this morning, I want all of us to consider, all of us in the room, just because you're not a pastor doesn't mean you get to check out this morning. We get to consider the call of a pastor as we set apart Paul for the work of the ministry. And I want us to consider the responsibility as a church together. So we, we come here to this chapter. Think of that there's a helpful phrase for us that we like to use here at Covenant Hope. And that is that we are a Jesus-ruled, pastor-led, deacon-served, and congregation-accountable church. What that means is that Jesus is the sole authority of our church, but the church body itself helps us and helps make sure that we are accountable, the pastors to the congregation and to Jesus. And so as we pick up here in this letter, Peter has exhorted the church to live in multiple ways. The church that he's writing to is under persecution. They are suffering. And Peter wants to exhort them to live in a life that pleases God. Our ultimate aim as a church is to please our God. And as we come now, it's that context that Peter turns his eye and his focus towards leadership and leadership in the church. And so as we both celebrate this milestone in our lives and in Paul's life, in the life of our church, we want to focus here on two exhortations and two motivations. So two exhortations and two motivations, if you're taking notes this morning. The first exhortation, an exhortation for the pastors. Look there again at verse 1. Peter writes, I exhort the elders among you. As Peter transitions now, he talks directly to the elders of this church body. That is the, the leadership of the church. For some of you, the term elder may not be a familiar term. We know that Paul and Barnabas were on their missionary journey. And they appointed elders in the churches that they planted. We know that Paul sent Timothy to Ephesus and Titus to Crete to set what was not done. To set elders in the church to appoint them. Throughout the New Testament, we see different authors refer to the leadership of the church as elders, whether it was Luke in the book of Acts, or Paul in multiple letters, or Peter here, or even James, who was an elder himself and the half-brother of Jesus. And we also notice that this term for leadership was not just used in a couple churches, but was used in the whole span of the Roman Empire, right? Jerusalem, Palestine, Asia Minor, and Crete, all spanning many miles of where the church had been grown and churches have been planted and they raised up leaders to follow. We believe, and it is our statement of faith, that the New Testament teaches that there are two scriptural offices in the church. 
that of the pastor elder and that of the deacon. The elders are qualified men who lead the church through the preaching of God's word and prayer. And deacons are those who serve the church. We believe that the office of elder, though, is the same as the office of overseer and pastor. Each of these terms refer to the same office of leadership in the church. Let me explain. 1 Timothy 3, we see the term overseer. And then Paul lists the qualifications for that overseer. In Titus 1, we see the terms elder and overseer. Paul actually interchanges between both of those. And the Apostle Paul, again, in Acts 20, verses 17 and 28, we see all three terms used together. We actually walked through this with our church family at our family meeting a few months ago. Where Paul, the Apostle, calls them elders and then overseers, and he tells them to shepherd the flock of God. Right? That, this verb shepherd is the same word to pastor. It's just the verb form. And here in 1 Peter 5, we get all three terms together. So a pastor is an elder and an elder is an overseer. So look there at, continue back in verse 1 and see what Peter says. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Peter identifies with these elders of this church as he himself is a pastor elder. He is sympathetic to the elders who are serving, even serving in difficult places. He knows their responsibilities. He knows the pressures of leading a church. He knows the, what it takes to sacrifice for God's people. And so he identifies with these elders before he calls them up to leadership. He can also exhort the pastors as someone who witnessed the sufferings of Jesus Christ, both his persecution and then his eventual death. And as one who fled from those events, Jesus restored him. And Jesus told him, do you love me? Feed my sheep. A statement that helps us think about what pastors are to do. And so Peter, as a pastor, wants these elders to shepherd well. Why? Because he shares in the same glory to come. That Jesus Christ is going to return to gather his people and make all things right. And so with those eyes toward, Peter now identifies with these elders. He's exhorting us, me and Pastor Ryan and now Pastor Paul, how we are to lead and guide and shepherd the church. The question though is, what does he call us to do? What does it exhort us to do? Look at verse 2. It's very clear. Shepherd God's flock among you. Shepherd God's flock among you. The task of the pastor elder, Paul, your task is to shepherd God's people. This is the kind of relationship that pastors are to have with the church. The title pastor literally means to shepherd. What comes to mind when you think of a shepherd? Most of us probably don't come across shepherds that much anymore. Uh, we, we are not familiar with their work. I think of the beautiful psalm, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me to still waters. This is the idea of what a shepherd is to be. Although I do also think about the opposite of a good shepherd. We see this in Ezekiel 34 where God condemns the, the shepherds, the leaders of the people of Israel who didn't care for Israel and who actually fattened themselves up, kept all the goods for themselves, and the people of Israel were suffering. 
That is not what it looks like to shepherd God's people. I'm also reminded that we have a better shepherd. You can think of the best pastor that you've ever had. I can think of a couple who have poured into me and helped me become who I am today, but they pale in comparison to King Jesus, who says in John 10, I am the good shepherd. I am God's shepherd for God's people. This is who Jesus is. He will not lose any of his sheep. He will not let us go astray. He will come and get us. He is for us. Pastors in the room, if you are one this morning, notice whose flock this is. It's God's. We are only stewards of God's people. This isn't my church. This isn't your church. This is God's church. We're just pastors. We're just stewards who are under shepherds. That Jesus bought the church with his own blood. It is Jesus' church. That Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, came and was born in the flesh, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross to save us from our sins. That's the good shepherd. That's the shepherd of the church. That's your shepherd. And as a, as a pastor of covenant, I hope I am an under-shepherd to Jesus. Look down quickly at verse 4. You see there, Peter used this beautiful phrase, Jesus the chief shepherd. Jesus is the senior pastor of his church. Jesus is the senior pastor of this church. That's why we say we are a Jesus-ruled church, because Jesus is the one we submit to as a church together. And myself, Pastor Ryan, and now Pastor Paul, we are under shepherds. This is not our church. This is Jesus' church. So now look at how pastor elders are to, how they're supposed to shepherd. There's three ways here that Peter identifies. And he uses the negative to the positive. Look there. Not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Right? Pastors are to oversee. Literally that word means to look at with care. To look at with care. To, to administer and supervise. To help the church grow spiritually, to nurture it. But they must not oversee out of compulsion. That is, they should not be compelled by some outside reason or guilted into the pastorate, but they must have a personal desire, as we see in 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is a desire, yes, given by God, but also affirmed in our own hearts and minds. It's an internal willingness to serve. The desire has been confirmed by others. And the church, you have called myself, Pastor Ryan, Pastor Paul, now as pastors of this church, it's confirmed by our church family. It's this idea that I don't have to pastor, I get to pastor. I have the opportunity to pastor God's people. And it is a responsibility that we do not take lightly. Why? Peter says, this is God's will, as God would have you. And so remember that this is a desire, both in your heart, but one that God has given. And Peter continues, not overseen out of greed for money, but eagerly. Right, pastors are to shepherd eagerly. That is it's similar to willingness. They're excited to shepherd God's church. And even though this may be a difficult task, a pastor's excitement is not based uh, on money, but it's based on the work itself. It should not be for the gain of any kind of money. 
or any kind of accolades. Pastors should not be motivated by some opportunity of financial gain. Paul, this is easy for you right now because we're not paying you. (laughs) Now, church, we do believe, we do believe it's good and right to have pastors who are paid and pastors who are not paid, pastors who work in the, what we may, you would say, outside of the church. It's good for us to have men who have jobs outside of the church body to help us care, to help us know what's going on in the life of our church. It's a good thing. But wait, may we never, may we never seek to shepherd God's church for financial gain. Look at verse 3. Peter ends it here, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock, the flock being the church of God. This is a very important point that Peter makes here. And in the exhortation of shepherd, Peter wants the elders to live as an example to the church, not authoritatively. Right? Pastors are not to, supposed to oppress the church members by ruling with an iron fist, but rather they are to shine as examples of godliness to the church. The writer of Hebrews reminds us in Hebrews 13, 7, remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives and imitate their faith. For this to be true, then the pastors of the church must be godly examples. We must, we must be examples for you to pattern your life after us. And let me just be really honest, sometimes that's a lot of pressure. But when we look to our Lord and Savior who is the perfect shepherd, we can model ourselves in humility together. Elders should be people that others can follow in joy. Why is this so important in the life of a church? Why should pastors lead by example? Because power is addictive and seductive. And the desire for power leads to unworthy motivations. It, it leads to making decisions for the wrong reasons. It pollutes the family of God. Jesus tells all of his followers, though, that leadership is about service and sacrifice. All Christians, especially pastors, must display the character of Jesus who came not to be served, but to serve. And you might ask, why does this apply to me as a a church member? You might say, I'll never be a pastor. Well, for some of you men in the room, I want to challenge that. That one day God may actually call you and develop a desire, maybe here or maybe to another church that needs pastors. But maybe you say, I'm not a pastor. Why does this apply to me? This may be true, but it's important because you need to understand the role and responsibilities of your pastors. Because it's your job to recognize and call them. Remember, we are a congregation accountable church. The church is the one that is recognizing and calling up their pastors and then humbly and willingly submitting to them. Be encouraged that you have pastors. I am very encouraged that I have pastors to submit my life to and to follow. Be encouraged, Covenant Hope Church, because you have raised up a pastor from within your own body. Church, Pastors must shepherd with a godly desire because they are stewards of the church and must be a godly example to the church family. We've seen the exhortation, but now let's move into the motivation. The motivation for pastors. Look there at verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Often the best exhortations come with the end in mind. Why should the elders shepherd this way? Because there is a future reward, a future promise to hold on to. 
Peter's not called the elders to sacrifice or give of themselves without the thought of reward. Rather, he reminds us that they, as the pastors, will share in that same glory that when Jesus returns, he will make all things right. Christ's return serves as both an end to the pastor's service, but also to the reward that we will get to experience. When Jesus returns, you don't need me anymore. And praise God for that. You get Jesus for all of eternity to shepherd you, to care for you. And thinking about this, reward is not a bad thing. Reward is not a bad thing. Peter holds it out as something that is good. So remember the reward that is Christ Jesus coming for us. And this reward is special. Why? Because it's an unfading crown of glory. During the Olympic Games, or or even the precursors of those games in the first century, the competitors would win a crown. It was a wreath. And you know that these wreaths were made of flowers, and they would eventually wither away and couldn't last. Just as their victory in that competition would fade away into the next event, so would their wreath, their crown, fade away. You can go to my mom and dad's house and you can see uh, in the room, actually, actually, they don't even have them up anymore. They've, uh, they've boxed all my Little League trophies and put them uh, in the attic somewhere. They're just collecting dust. They're, just collect, they're, 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 they're tarnished and fading away. Even, even the trophies that maybe, uh, maybe you have won some trophies. I, I won a trophy on a team and it's in a trophy case at our high school and you can see it. You can see it tarnishing. It's going to wither away, even though it's made more, maybe in some sort of metal and not flower. It's going to fade away, but the crown of eternal life will never fade away. It is ours, and Jesus is the one that is extending it to us. All pastors, though, Paul included, must remember that our reward of eternal life is with Jesus. It's our futures are sure. This is assurance not because we have been called to be pastors, not because we have given our lives or dedicated our lives to the the work of the church. It's because we have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Our work doesn't secure anything in the sight of Jesus. It's only his blood. And I am very thankful for that reality, that we have been saved by Jesus Pastors must shepherd well with a godly desire because they receive a reward of eternal life from the good shepherd. Now, as we've, we've talked about what is a pastor, what does a pastor do? Why should they shepherd this way? Peter now turns his attention to the church family. We have an exhortation for the church. Peter shifts his attention from the leadership to now the church family. Look there at verse 5. In the same way, you, are, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Peter now addresses the younger in the congregation. Now, there's only three ways to think about, uh, three options here for us to think about this verse. Is it the literal younger ones in the church? Is it the church body itself as the elders are the leadership and the church is younger following them as an image? Or is this younger as those who are young in the faith? All three are legitimate options. But I have to lean towards those who are seriously, literally younger in age. Now, this doesn't remove the command or the weight of the command, but this is who Peter's speaking to. Peter exhorts them to be subject to the elders. That is to submit to their leadership and their, their counsel. 
This means to follow their direction, lead, and advice. Submission is not a new command for Christians, though. Paul gives the same command to all Christians in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. As he exhorts them to pay careful, to the, and pay careful attention to how they, they walk, he says, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. One of the ways that we watch how we walk is to submit our lives to one another and to our pastors. The, the author of Hebrews reminds us again of this in Hebrews 13, verse 17. He says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? Since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. So they can do this with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. So Peter says to the younger, submit to the elders. And then the author of Hebrews says to the whole church, submit to the leadership of your pastors. Why? Because they are going to give an account. Pastor Ryan, Pastor Paul, myself, we take this very seriously because one day when I stand before God, I will give an account for how I cared for you. And if, if we're really honest, that can be daunting. But this is why we must shepherd well with a godly desire so that it is easy for the church to follow. So it's easy for the church to, to, be, to be shown how to walk. Both Peter here and the author of Hebrews help us understand that submission to pastoral leadership is a good thing. It's God's design for the church. Now, Peter doesn't call for unchecked use of power. Absolutely not. Look there at those three ways in which he called us to, to not to greed, not to power, but willingly and eagerly. In our culture, authority is something to buck at these days, like an unbridled horse. And this isn't something totally new, but with consistent focus, our culture focuses on the individual. Authority has now become an enemy to anyone. That you are your own authority, and that just isn't true. We all have authorities. And of course, we've seen abuse in those positions of, of authority, but this does not remove God's design. Authority is from God. And since it's from God, it's a good thing. It must be used in the right way. Right? We are not self-governed beings. We have first and foremost have to submit to God. And our church and our families, they help us learn how to submit to God. Right? When we are children, we submit to our parents. Children in the room, you should listen to your parents because they care for you and love you and want you to flourish. You should listen and submit to their parenting. It's good for you. When you go to school, you submit to your teachers. When you go to work one day, you submit to your boss. Why would we think that the church is any different? That if these things are going to be healthy, then there must be a sense of authority and submission. God's design is beautiful. God has given authority to be used for the good of those under the authority. Authority must never be abused. Never be abused, but used for the good of those under it. Remember, our church covenant calls us to submit to the leadership of our pastors. And I look forward gladly to submit to both Pastor Ryan and Pastor Paul as my pastor. That I get to submit my life to them and them to, 
walk with me and help me love Jesus better. Why? Because it's for the good of our souls that we have men who can help us love Jesus better. And Peter continues his focus on the church. He says, all of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Now, if there's any doubt, Peter now speaks directly to the church and he says, hey, this applies to everybody. The church is to clothe themselves in humility. Literally, the word means to tie around yourself humility. To find the garment. As you, as you walked in this morning, it's fairly cold, but not as cold in the Midwest today. Casey was telling me it's negative 30 windshield last night in Indiana. That's absolutely terrible. <laughs> and so what would you do to go out in that cold? You would, you would bundle up and literally tie around yourself garments. That's what Peter has in mind. Tie around yourself humility. Don't let it fall off. Don't let it fall to the wayside. But intentionally and purposely put on humility. Actively. Constantly. Remind yourself to put on humility. Again, the pastor elders are not domineering. They're not using their positions of authority for personal gain. They too are called to clothe themselves, tie around their bodies. Humility. Humility is a difficult, difficult virtue to cultivate it, though, isn't it? Why? Because you have to lower yourself. Humility is the virtue that leads us to submit to one another and it leads us to submit to the authority of our pastors. If we're prideful, we will never submit to anyone. And when you find yourself in that position, God will find ways to knock you down inch by inch. You may have heard the phrase, and I think it's helpful. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself, but thinking less often about yourself. Thinking about yourself less often. You put others first. You don't try to impress. You don't try to intimidate others, but you place yourself under God's authority in whatever arena you find yourself in. Church, my prayer is that you see the beauty of God's wonderful design of leadership and family for God's church. And I pray that you will experience great growth by following the leadership of your pastors as you humbly submit to them. I'm personally looking forward to that. I know that God will use Pastor Paul and Pastor Ryan in my life, as he already has, to help me grow and to look more like Jesus. And I hope, church, that you will now give him, and I'm sure you will, as, our, as we celebrated last week, a unanimous vote, that you will give Pastor Paul the same honor and respect that you've shown me and Pastor Ryan, because he is now one of our pastors. Peter encourages the church by exhorting the elders to shepherd with a godly desire so that the members can humbly submit to their leadership. And so we've considered the exhortation to the church, but what about the motivation to the church? What will help us in this endeavor? Look there at the end of verse 5. We see the motivation for the church. Because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Peter grounds this exhortation in Scripture by quoting from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34. The church should put on humility because God is the one who desires humility. This is about God. This is about our relationship to Him. You can pick up almost any story in the Bible, and you can see that our God detests pride. He detests it. But what does he do? 
He goes to the humble and he raises up the humble. Think of David, the king, who was out in the field shepherding, who stunk like his animals. And when Samuel came to, to the family of Jesse to pick the next king, God says, I, I'm going to choose him, the one that looks lowly, the one that's humble. Think of King Jesus, who is the better King David, who comes and doesn't go to those in high places, but goes to those who are lowly, the outcast and the broken, those who are sinners, adulterers, murderers, thieves. And he comes and he gets close to them because God gives grace to the humble. And Peter quotes this. He says, this is why we do, this is why we seek humility because our God gives grace to the humble. But he absolutely opposes the proud. Church, we have a responsibility to cultivate humility in our lives personally and corporately. This is done most visibly in our relationships to one another. That we demonstrate the gospel. That God loves us. And that God has made us. And we have value and we submit to each other. That we get to identify with Jesus. Who is our good shepherd. Who laid down his life for his sheep. Who stretched out his arms on a cross. Who paid for our sin. We get to join our Lord and Savior. By acting and living in the same way that he did. You see, he's not asking us to do anything that he wouldn't do. He's already done it. He has submitted himself to death, even death on a cross. And so church, we now get to experience wonder and beauty as we get to live the Christian life together in the church, but there are ways in which God has called us to do that. And I pray that God continues to strengthen our church by giving us more godly men to lead us. Give us more church members like you who are humble and who are actively seeking to put humility on. I'm excited for what the Lord has in store for us. I'm excited for Paul and his family. I'm excited for all the things that God is going to do here at Covenant Hope. So would you pray with me as we've thought about these things this morning? God in heaven, we've heard your word this morning and may now we respond in the appropriate way, would we respond in humility? Would all of us in the room, would we think about ways to put more humility on because you give grace to the humble? God, would you help our church? Would you help our leaders? Pastor Paul, Pastor Ryan, and myself, would you help us lead and shepherd our church in these ways as Peter's called out? Would we be examples of godliness to our church family? And God, as we've already experienced, would you continue to use our church to support us? Would you use the church to be a tangible means of your grace to us? Would you help them as they seek to submit to the authority of their pastors? Would you help them put on humility to one another? That this may be a church family that is so welcoming but it's also challenging to one another that we may look more like Jesus together. God, I believe that you are working in the life of our church and this is one tangible expression of that. So would you be with us now? 
as we go, as we set Paul apart for the work of the ministry, would you be honored in this today? We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.